Welcome to the 49ers Camelot Show. It's a pleasure to have you on with me today. We're going to be talking six worst non-Super Bowl moments in 49ers history. If you missed my show from earlier in the week, we did the five greatest non-Super Bowl um, moments in 49ers history where I gave you my five greatest moments. And today I'm going to give you my five worst moments or actually my six worst moments because I had five and then I was like you know what I need there were there were two that I couldn't really decide on so I ended up making it the six worst moments I hope that's not cheating because that's just the way that I'm going to do it before we get into this if you wouldn't mind take a moment to rate review and follow the 49ers Camelot show wherever you watch or listen that would be great and you'd really be helping us out so let's get into this the six worst non-Super Bowl moments in 49ers history. Now, as I did with the uh, the other video, the five greatest, and you can go back and watch that one uh, or listen to it wherever you're watching or listening, <clears throat> I I had a certain criteria for selecting this. And so, so I'm going to go through that uh, real quick. First is that I only selected on-the-field moments. So, for example, I think... When the 49ers fired Jim Harbaugh, that was one of the worst moments in 49ers history to me. And then they followed that, like, I don't remember how long, how many weeks later it was, but they they followed that by hiring Jim Tomsula. Those were two terrible moments to me. So I'm not including moments like that. I'm only including on-the-field moments. Number two, I didn't include Super Bowl losses. They, they've lost in the Super Bowl twice. Those would be easy terrible worst moments. Um, so I didn't include those because that's just too easy. Uh, so the number three is that I only selected moments that I remember happening, which means back in the seventies, from what I understand, the 49ers lost some heartbreakers in the playoffs to the Dallas Cowboys. I don't remember that. I was just a little kid. And so I don't remember those times. So I didn't include any of those because I'm only including the things that I remember. So that's the criteria. So with that in mind, let's jump in and get into this. Number six, they're running our offense better than us. When did this take place? This was from the NFC Divisional Playoff game against the Green Bay Packers on January 6, 1996. So it's from the 1995 49er season, which was a very up and down season. One of the one of the positives for the defending Super Bowl champs that year was that they beat the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas in Texas Stadium uh, to kick off a six-game winning streak. This was a game that Steve Young was not playing. The Cowboys were, if I remember right, because I went to that game, I think that the Cowboys were like 14-point uh, favorites, and they, they definitely were double-digit favorites because – the 49ers were the defending Super Bowl champs, and you just wouldn't think that a defending champ would be that big of an underdog. But without Steve Young and with Elvis Gerback being the starting quarterback, nobody gave the 49ers a shot. But things did turn out differently uh, in that game, and, and the 49ers won that game, kicked off this six-game winning streak. But one of the low points of the season was losing in back-to-back -back weeks to the New Orleans Saints and the expansion Carolina Panthers. It was the first time in NFL history that an expansion team had beaten a Super Bowl champion, a defending Super Bowl champion. So just a, a horrible two weeks, losing to the terrible Saints, 
and then losing to the Carolina Panthers uh, in back-to-back seasons was horrible. So the 49ers go into the playoffs. They host the Packers in a divisional uh, playoff round. Mike Holmgren was the Packers coach. He was only a few years removed from being the 49ers uh, offensive coordinator. And so, uh, and Brett Favre was still pretty new. He he was just starting to come into his own and become a, a guy that people thought, hey, he may end up being a really good quarterback. But the 49ers were big favorites. Um, but everything changed at the beginning of the game when Craig Newsom, a defensive back for the Packers, recovered a fumble by uh, by a fullback, Adam Walker. Adam Walker was playing fullback because William Floyd had been uh, had blown out his knee and was done for the year. So Adam Walker, who had a cast on his hand or on his wrist, uh, got the ball. Somebody hit him. He fumbled. Craig Newsom uh, picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. And from that point, it went downhill fast. The 49ers fell behind. 21 to nothing. And because of that, threw the ball an astonishing 65 times. They also turned the ball over twice. They trailed at halftime 21 to three and spent the second half trying to play catch up, but they never were able to do it. They lost 27 to 17. But maybe the biggest disappointment was that the 49ers offense struggled to do anything. They were so one-sided uh, because they couldn't run the ball, uh, and, and they really c- didn't have a chance to run the ball because they fell behind so quick. But while the 49ers were struggling to to run their great West Coast offense, the Packers, remember Mike Holmgren was, was Bill Walsh's offensive coordinator, the Packers ran it to perfection. And I remember Steve Young saying after the game, they ran our offense better than we did. And that was that was disturbing because it was a time where the 49ers offense just took a, took a little bit of a step back and they weren't quite as good uh, as they had been in, in previous years. And so this uh, ultimately was was a, a bad loss. So that's my number six. Number five is Joe Montana gets benched in a postseason game. Yeah, maybe you don't know this happened, but it did. It came in a, a NFC divisional playoff game against the Minnesota Vikings on January 9th, 1988. It was the 1987 season. It was a strike-shortened season. There were only 15 games that were played, so the 49ers only had 15 games. Uh, I think like three of those games were played by replacement players. One of those was against the Giants, and I remember Bill Walsh running the wishbone and uh, and making Bill Parcells laugh uh, because Walsh actually had a had a, a few plays run out of the wishbone, which was really funny. That was a very old school um, offense, uh, triple option. Oklahoma ran it uh, back in the eighties. Uh, I don't remember who else ran that, but but that was really old school. Um, and, and so it was kind of funny to to see an NFL team try to do that. But here's the thing, Jerry Rice. Uh, played in 12 games that season and still had 22 receiving touchdowns. Remarkable that he did that in only 12 games. The 49ers finished that season 13 and two. They had a first round bye and home field advantage. They had the NFL's number one ranked offense and number one ranked defense. Incredible. This, this was one of the best 
teams, one of the best regular season 49ers teams in their history. I mean, they, they were really good. And then the playoffs came. So the 49ers hosted the Minnesota Vikings. They were double-digit favorites. They should have absolutely killed the Vikings. But they really struggled. Other than a pick six by Jeff Fuller, the defense struggled to do much. The Vikings had a quarterback named Wade Wilson. He was average at best. He was really mediocre. He passed for 298 yards and two touchdowns. They had a receiver named Anthony Carter who caught 10 passes for 227 yards. Now, Anthony Carter was a really good receiver, but he wasn't 10 catches for 227 yards against the league's best defense. That I mean, he wasn't that good, but it wasn't just on the defense. The 49ers offense wasn't much better. Until late in the third quarter, the 49ers defense had actually outscored their offense. Joe Montana finished that game 12 for 26 for 109 yards. He had zero touchdown passes through one interception was and was sacked for four times. While he was in the game, the 49ers scored only three points. Now, at this point, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP. And so he already was a legend in the Bay Area at this point. He was, at this point, I think the best quarterback in the NFL he was on his way to becoming one of the all-time greats, in my opinion, the greatest quarterback, of not the greatest winner of all time, that would be Tom Brady, but the greatest quarterback I still think was Joe Montana. Now, John Elway was really good, but Joe Montana, in my opinion, was better. And so this is Joe Montana. So keep this in mind whenever we bash Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance or when that time comes that, that we bash Brock Purdy, because it's going to happen, Joe Montana had a terrible playoff game in a season where he was great and where the team was great, where they had the number one ranked offense, where Bill Walsh was his play caller and his head coach, and yet he still had a bad game. They'd only scored three offensive points um, while he was in the game, and then the unthinkable happened. Bill Walsh actually pulled Montana from the game with the 49ers down 27 to 10, benched Montana and put in Steve Young. Now, Steve Young came in and immediately took the team down for a touchdown to bring the 49ers to within 10 points. Young in the second half was 12 of 17 for 158 yards, one touchdown, one interception, but he also ran for 72 yards and a touchdown. That was in like a half. Uh, not even a not even a half. This was, oh gosh, I don't even remember when he came in. I, I'm thinking it was the third quarter. I, I think it was in the third quarter. I'm almost positive. And so, in a quarter and a half or so, Steve Young did this: 158 yards passing, 72 yards rushing, a touchdown passing, a touchdown ru- rushing. But the 49ers defense couldn't stop the Vikings, specifically Anthony Carter that day. And so the Vikings scored another field goal to go up 36 to 24 and to win the game. This was a crappy loss. Thus, to have your team be the best team in the NFL, the number one ranked defense, the number one ranked offense, and to get killed by uh, an 
a Vikings team that was was decent, but they weren't that good. And to have your your star quarterback Joe Montana be benched was was just ridiculous. After the game, there were plenty of fans who were questioning Walsh. Like, why did he wait so late to replace Montana with Young? Which is ironic because about five years later, fans hated Steve Young because he wasn't Joe Montana. And so it's it's this is why we should never overreact when it comes to uh, quarterback play and quarterback issues. Maybe your quarterback's terrible today, but he may be much better tomorrow. So, all right. So number four is when you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, you know what this is from. It's from the NFC championship game at Seattle in Jan- on January 19th of 2014. So this is 2013 Seattle and, and, and San Francisco had this big rivalry that had started brewing the year before, um, really two years before when the 49ers won a tough game uh, in 2011 in Seattle. And now Seattle had beaten the 49ers bad in 2012 um, at their home stadium that was always so loud and tough to play at. And then in 2013, they had spanked them again at home. And, uh, and then the 49ers won a home game uh, against Seattle. And so here they are playing for the third time, this time for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And so it's one of the reasons why I hate the Seahawks. Uh, those, those formidable years where this rivalry grew, even the rivalry between Pete Carroll and Jim Harbaugh, we hated them. They hated us. I still hate them. I'm sure they still hate us. That's fine. And so... This this is the game where remember Navarro Bowman blew his knee out and uh, the fans threw popcorn at him as he's leaving the stadium. Losers. Uh, so the 49ers held their own, even though they're playing in Seattle. The 49ers actually had a 17-13 lead going into the fourth quarter. Kaepernick was incredible that day as a runner. He had rushed for 130 yards on only 11 carries, but he'd also lost a fumble and thrown two interceptions, and all three of those turnovers took place in the fourth quarter. So even though that had happened, the 49ers still had a lead in the fourth quarter when Russell Wilson did what Russell Wilson did against the 49ers. On fourth and seven, he threw up a prayer that turned into a 35-yard touchdown pass to Jermaine Curse to give the Seahawks a 20-17 to lead. They later would add another field goal to go up 23-17. But the 49ers just wouldn't quit. And they had the ball late in the game with a chance to win it at Seattle's 18-yard line. When uh, Kaepernick, they they still had time, and so he could have thrown some underneath balls, stopped the clock. They had some timeouts, I think. And, and so they could have just you know worked to get closer. But instead, he went for it all, threw it up to to Michael Crabtree, but he underthrew him. Richard Sherman tipped it. Malcolm Smith intercepted it. You know how it ended. Uh, you know, Richard Sherman's doing the choke sign to Kaepernick and he's mouthing at Crabtree. And then after the game, Sherman told Aaron Andrews, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't ever talk about me. So I couldn't stand Richard Sherman. Now he was right. I, I, I never was that crazy about Crabtree. He was decent 
in 2012. It wasn't bad in 2013, although I think he was coming off of a uh, uh, of a foot injury. Uh, I, th- I think that was the year that he missed maybe like half the year with, with an Achilles injury. And so in 2012, Crabtree was good. But other than that, I never thought he was that great. So, so that's my number four, the, the, the dang loss to the Seahawks. Number three is how about them Cowboys? You know what I'm talking about. The NFC championship game against the Dallas Cowboys, January 17th, 1993. It was Steve Young's first postseason run as the 49ers QB. And it was up uh, against the up and coming Dallas Cowboys. They were a young team. They had just snuck into the playoffs that year. They, uh, they were good, but they weren't good enough to, to upend the 49ers team uh, that, that season. Now the next season, the Cowboys were the best team by far in the NFL, but this year, the 1992 season, the 49ers were the best team in the NFL, but this game ended their chances of winning uh, yet another Super Bowl. So Joe Montana's on the on the sidelines. Uh, he had come back from his injury. He had played the second half of the Detroit game, uh, the last game of the season, and so he's suited up. He's on the sidelines, but uh, as as we've heard uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, George Seifert did not want any quarterback controversy. He had seen how that had affected Bill Walsh, and he wanted nothing to do do with it. So as far as he was concerned, Steve Young was the guy. Joe wasn't going to play, and the 49ers ended up uh, trading uh, Montana um, after this, uh, this season was over. And I think that that's probably because Seifert didn't want Montana back. He made the decision to stay with Young which it's hard to argue that. I mean, I know it's Montana's a sacred cow and all, but but yet uh, Steve Young was a multi-time passing champ. He was a league MVP. And so it was it, he was the guy by that time. So so the game started off really well. Steve Young hit Jerry Rice for a long touchdown pass, but a penalty, a holding penalty was called. It was brought back and nothing went well for the 49ers after that. The game was close until the Cowboys scored a late touchdown to go up 30 to 20 and the 49ers ended up losing that one. It was a tough hurtful loss uh for one thing because Joe Montana didn't play in the game. I can remember hearing the uh Cowboys players after the game saying that they were keeping an eye on the sidelines because they they were concerned that that Montana was going to come in the game and they did not want that to happen. But Seifert stuck with Steve Young and you know a lot of fans complained about that 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 Joe they would have won the game if Joe would have been in. I what I remember was Steve Young running for his life. So I don't know that Joe would have made that much of a difference. Maybe the Cowboys would have played him differently. Maybe he would have raised the level of the offense. Uh, so who knows, maybe that would have happened, but you know, it's hard to say, but this was also tough because it was the last time that Joe Montana ever put on a 49ers uniform. And so that was sad. And that, uh, that was, that was really, really a, a tough game. This was also the game where after, 
after the game in the locker room, Jimmy Johnson gave his how about them Cowboys speech, which still makes me want to throw up anytime I hear that. Anytime they show that clip, and they usually do when the Cowboys are in the playoffs or when the Cowboys are on TV, which is like every single week, especially when they're playing the 49ers, they'll show that clip and it's so annoying. So that's my number uh, three worst moment, uh, worst non-Super Bowl moment in 49ers history. Number two is the Kyle Williams game. You know this one, it's painfully uh, familiar because it didn't happen that long ago. The NFC Championship game against the New York Giants, January 22nd, 2012. So it's, you know, it's probably, I mean, that's like if you mention the 2011 NFC Championship game, everybody immediately thinks of Kyle Williams. It's probably unfair. It's probably unfair to, to call this the Kyle Williams game. That's just what we remember because he had the two fumbles that ended up costing the one was in the fourth quarter where he didn't get out of the way and the ball took a bad hop and bounced off of his leg. Then the other was in overtime when the giants recovered, kicked a field goal and won the game. But it really, it wasn't all on Kyle Williams. The 49ers offense, especially it's passing game was terrible. If you take away the 40, the, uh, the first quarter, touchdown pass from Alex Smith. It was a 73-yard touchdown pass from Alex Smith to Vernon Davis. If you take that away, the 49ers had only 105 yards passing, and 28 of those came on a second Vernon Davis touchdown. So the 49ers receivers were invisible that game. Michael Crabtree, that sorry receiver we talked about earlier, had one catch for three yards. No 49ers receiver had any catches other than that one. One catch, three yards from the 49ers receivers in that game. That's why they lost the NFC Championship game. Yeah, it didn't help that Kyle that Kyle Williams fumbled twice. I, I blame this, this loss on Ted Ginn because, remember, he got hurt in the week before against, uh, against the Saints. And so Ted Ginn wasn't in. That's why Kyle Williams was back there to return punts because Ginn was hurt. And if Ginn had been in the game, those fumbles don't happen because Ginn wasn't known to fumble. And not only that, but he would have been on the field as a receiver as well. Uh, because remember, the 49ers were hurting for receivers. Um, they had had, uh, uh, gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, Joshua something crap. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, they lost him earlier in the season. Um, they had Kyle Williams. They had Ted Ginn. I think Brett Swain was one of the receivers that day and he was terrible. So they just, they didn't have much when it came to receivers. So they relied on Vernon Davis, but still Crabtree, one catch, three yards. That's terrible. That's why Richard Sermon called him a, uh, a, a sorry receiver. And that's why I agree. And, and it's a shame because the 49ers defense was really good that day. If you remember, remember that play where, uh, where Eli Manning got up and his and his helmet was turned sideways, uh, the 49ers defense tormented uh, Eli Manning uh, in that game. So the Kyle Williams game is my number two uh, game. I still blame Ted Ginn, but if you want to blame Kyle Williams, that's fine. I blame Ted Ginn and Michael Crabtree. That's who I blame. So my number one worst non-Super Bowl moment, 49ers history. Obviously, the two Super Bowl losses – those are number one and number two, but this is a non-Super Bowl segment. And so 
My number one non-Super Bowl moment that was the worst in 49ers history, there will be no three-peat. This is the game against the New York Giants on January 20th, 1991. Interesting that the, my top two on here came at the hands of the New York Giants. This was the 20, I, I mean, sorry, the 20, the 1990 NFC Championship game. This was a really good 49ers team. They were the two-time Super Bowl champions. They had won back-to-back. They would finished the season 14-2. and And so think about that. I mean, how spoiled were we? Back-to-back Super Bowl champs. They had won four, and here they are, 14-2, and and on the verge of getting to their third Super Bowl. When I, I And I believe that they would have beat the Buffalo Bills uh, because I think that, I mean, Buffalo would have been a, a tough matchup, but I think that the 49ers could have handled them. And so on the verge of a three-peat, the Niners took a 13-9 lead into the fourth quarter. This was a low-scoring game, uh, tough game, tough physical game. So on third and 10, this is in the third quarter, later in the third quarter, a third and 10 from their own 23-yard line. Montana uh, was flushed to his right. And he stopped to throw the ball, and he was hit in the back by Leonard Marshall. He fumbled the ball, of course, and the 49ers recovered it, but it was fourth down, so they had to punt. Think about this. That game, that was the last time that Joe Montana ever started a game for the 49ers. It was a brutal hit. If that happened today, it would have been a 15-yard uh, rough-in-the-passer penalty, and the 49ers would have had a first down. And so this game likely turns out totally different if that uh, if that would have been called. But back then, you could just massacre quarterbacks, and the NFL didn't care as much. But these days, you can't even breathe on them, and you get called. So, so Leonard Marshall, just a brutal hit. Montana goes out. He's. I mean, I still remember the image of them having to carry him off the field and he looks so so woozy. Giants kicked a field goal. It's 13 to 12. I think that uh they they got the ball back after the 49ers punted. Then the Giants faked a punt, I believe. If I I think that's what they did. Then they went down, they kicked that field goal. So it's 13 to 12 and Steve Young came into the game at quarterback. There were about four minutes left in the game and he immediately hit Brent Jones with a 25-yarder to get to midfield. A couple of runs by Roger Craig. This is looking good. It's looking like the 49ers are going to be able to run out the clock and, and milk this thing, head back to the Super Bowl. But then the horrible happened. On first down from the 40-yard line, so Young gets them to the 50 with the, with the play with, uh, to Brent Jones couple of runs by Roger Craig, get them to the 40. And so we're all like, I, I remember this. I remember being, because this game was so close, one point game. And it was, it was tough. It was tough to come by yards. And here's Steve Young playing for Joe Montana. And that made me nervous because without Montana in the game, I just didn't know if they could do it. But, but Young had done his job. He got him down there to the 40. Man, all they got to do is pick up maybe a couple of more uh, uh, first downs or maybe another 15 yards or so so they can get into field goal range and just 
keep running time. I, I don't remember how many timeouts the Giants had, but the 49ers just needed to, to keep moving the ball and run out the clock. But then on first down from the 40-yard line, Roger Craig fumbled. Lawrence Taylor recovered. The Giants get, get the ball, uh, threw a pass to Mark Bavaro, the tight end, and Bavaro carried multiple 49ers, including Ronnie Lott, uh, down the field for a big gain. They got into field goal range, and then and then the Giants hit the, the game-winning field goal. And I remember Pat Summerall saying, there will be no three-peat. Easily my most painful memory as a 49ers fan. So what makes your top five or six? What are, what are the ones that you remember? You can jump in the comments section and give me your, your uh, top, your, your top worst moments uh, in 49ers history. What would those be? It, this, this was, this was a more interesting one than the one that I did earlier in the week. It wasn't as happy obviously, but it was definitely more interesting. So let me know what your uh, memories are uh, as we get ready for training camp. Looking forward to next week. I'm going to have uh, Brian Peacock on the show from Locked On 49ers and hoping to get some some other great guests as we move toward training camp that starts later this month now that we are into July. Thanks so much for watching. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the 49ers Camelot Show, and I will see you sometime next.